This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. On this podcast, we talk a lot about the different training zones, zone two training, threshold zone, sub-threshold, LT1 and LT2. And recently, a friend of mine was asking me about all the different training zones and what they all actually meant. He said, do you have a podcast I can listen to that explains them all? And I said, funnily enough, we don't. Uh, We have spoken about them a lot, but never in one entire episode. So here is our one dedicated podcast episode explaining every training zone in detail, what the purpose of that zone is, and when it's appropriate to do a training session in that zone. And before we get into the episode, please make sure that you, uh, if you're watching this online, you hit that like button and subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this on. And if you love the content, which we hope you do because you're here, the best thing you can do for us is share it with a friend uh, who might also love it or share it on your social media and tag us. We love to see who is listening around the world and where you're from. But let's get into the episode. Dad, welcome. First up, Gratitudes for today. Thanks, George. I'm looking forward to today's episode. Um, I can't take the smile off my face because my gratitude is based around my passion for uh, Celtic, uh, the football club. Um, and we've, the listeners might remember we've talked a little bit about um, our passion teams and everybody's got their own team out there. But uh, having grown up in a family of uh, Scottish uh, heritage, um, my dad drilled into me, um, um, you know, the passion that the the Glasgow Celtic um, has had, and um, and my gratitude is for um, Ange Postacoglu, who is an Australian um, hero in the soccer in the soccer world and the football world, I suppose. Uh, and he he took his um, coaching career to Scotland and uh, took over Celtic. And in his first year, he's done an amazing job. They Celtic were were unbelievable champions for 10 years in a row. Nine years in a row. Nine years in a row, sorry. They were trying for 10. (laughs) And they missed the 10th year in a row, which would have been a record. Um, And they they were smashed in that 10th year. They were 25 points behind their arch rivals, um, Rangers. And and they brought Ange in. And in his first year, he's got them the the title during the week, which um, on my gratitude for Ange for coming to to be the saviour. And I can't wipe the smile off my face because it's just an incredible story of of someone who has an an amazing coaching ability. Um, He's taken the Australian national team to the World Cup. Um, He's taken Brisbane Raw. Uh, in their first three or four seasons to three premierships to Melbourne Victory to premierships to Yokohama in Japan to premierships now he's gone to Celtic and you know the world is his oyster he could go to England and, and coach a uh, English Premier Division team without fail um, so I just love the journey um, I heard him interviewed and he said that uh, as a 12 year old when he was at school I think the art teacher was his uh, soccer coach mm. and he asked the art teacher if he wouldn't mind if he put Ange, he let Ange put the, the players into their correct places rather than where <laughs> he put them. And so Ange reckon he's been coaching since he was 12. So yeah. he says he's not much of a footballer, but he actually knows um, how to manage men. Um, I love that gratitude because obviously you then passed down the passion for Celtic to us and all our cousins, um, but specifically because you are someone that loves the journey and you love seeing a great uh, story, especially from a coach and to see an Aussie coach do so well. And we were talking just before the podcast about uh, after the game when they won, uh, it was really movie kind of scenes where he was going around and getting uh, applause from the entire um, 
Celtic fans, the stadium was absolutely packed and there was thunderous noise and they were all chanting his name and he was genuinely just tearing up standing there while they were all chanting his name and um, it was like a movie moment and it's just great to see a, co- a coach go through that. My gratitude is uh, I'm just grateful to be having a good run of uh, training again with no interruptions. Uh, it's my longest block of training for probably six months and it's really enjoyable just to have consistency again and uh, just feeling really grateful for it to be feeling super fit again. I want to go on with that a bit because uh, for those who don't know, everybody uh, at some stage will, get, will have COVID and just this week we've in the Trivello group, there's eight people with who've just contracted COVID. Um, you know, after two years of COVID, you wouldn't think that, you know, the be so rampant still, but it is. And um, your gratitude is great because it affects everybody differently. And, you know, there's been 30 or 40 people that I've coached now who've had COVID in some shape or form from extreme to mild. And, you know, your journey from when you contracted it in January the 1st or whatever it was, that that New Year's period, um, has been stop-start to say the best and to say the worst, really. Um, And, and it takes a long time for everybody to rebound differently. So if you've, if you're in this position, you know, just hang in there because it will turn around and you can get your consistency back and you're actually running as well as you, you did a PB on the 5K, you know, last weekend. So it's an example of you can get back there as long as you just put your head down and, and start to do the basics well. Before we get into the uh, episode, because it's a really big episode of worth of a topic, I would just want to do a quick what's caught our attention, and that's because uh, the Ironman World Champs was on last week, and uh, epic race. I can't believe how much of the race I watched. Um, you know, it's an Ironman, it goes for eight hours, and you'd think you'd just skim through, but I ended up watching probably about six hours worth of it, <laughs> and I skipped a little bit, but uh, who knew you could be so entertained um, by watching such a... You'd say slow event, but they're not going slow. Uh, my only criticism is that the coverage is absolutely horrendous. They need to learn something from you know, the cycling world. Um, but uh, Christian with just an absolute dominating performance, uh, unstoppable. and both, um, both male and female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Daniela, well, five times world champion. Why would you underestimate her? It was in- interesting that we talked pre-race with our last podcast because we were speculating about both the male and female and I think we got it pretty close. You said on the, I think you said on the podcast, you might have said it off air, hopefully it was in the podcast, but you said you cannot count out a four-time world champion um, and that that proved true and she really, and a lot of people were counting her out and she came across the line and just gave this big five to the camera, just letting them know because yeah, everyone had counted her out and she said, I don't know why everyone counted me out just because we haven't had any races for two years. And she said, I did one race and it was a bad race. And everyone says, oh, she's done. You know, it's, it was one race in two years. Yeah. yeah, there's a bit of fire in her belly. It was great. And uh, oh, the men's race, oh, our man Lionel, what a what a journey he's – he to come second to seemingly one of the, the best triathletes that uh, that's, you know, I'm putting up there with Jan Fredino now because uh, he's, he's just doing everything that he's saying he's going to do. Um, well, it was inspirational to watch and, and watching Lionel um, let the bunch go that he was with because it was too far above his, his own numbers and taking that huge decision I thought was so gutsy and he basically caught back up to them and got off the bike in eighth or ninth place, was it? Something like that, yeah. And ended up second mm. and he ran his own race not only run his own race, but he rode his own race, and and he's a changed man. And I just think that was if Christian wasn't in that race, that was his race. But unfortunately, there was someone who's just a little bit better than the whole field. Yeah. Um. And some outstanding results from the New Zealanders. I I just thought it was a 
one of the, the better races we've seen. It, it, I know it wasn't in Kona, but it was tougher. It was tougher. We had our own Stephen White um, competing there, and he said he's been to Kona a few times, and he said this was way more demanding course on the bike than than Kona is. Um, and I just don't think people understand, you know, how difficult the course was, and they were at altitude a lot of the time. Mm. Um, mm. You know, two thousand meters. So yeah. it was over three thousand meters of climbing, of which climbing, is just yes. absurd. <laughs> you just do a three thousand meter climb bike ride, and you were far out. You can't, you can't run a step. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I can barely walk off. off yep. You know, after two two and a half thousand meters. I just totally loved loved the the event. It was it was a true world championship, and uh, I love it when the best athletes win. That's that's to me, the right outcome. There's a few things in there. Uh, Christian has said publicly before the Olympic Games last year, he wants to win the Olympic Games, the ITU World Championship, which is Olympic Distance World Championship, half Ironman World Champion and Ironman World Champion. And he's done three. And he said in not only just that, in one calendar year, winning all of them would be absurd in your career, but in one calendar year, and he's done three out of four of them. And he had to pull out of St. George, 70.3 half Ironman because of a bike mechanic mechanical um but who knows maybe he'll win next year and then it, it shapes up for a great race in Kona later in the year where they're having the Ironman World Championships again um so we can't say wait to see what happens there but I know uh that even though you're not his coach as a coach you were so proud of Lionel and you just cannot be understated how valuable that race tactic was from him and he actually said in a interview post-race that he even on the run he wasn't thinking about places, exactly what you say. He was just, he was just worried about executing his time. And as he got closer and closer to second place, he crept onto the podium. Um, everyone was saying Lionel's going to catch second place. And he said in his head, people were telling him on the sidelines, but he wasn't worried about it. And even with a K to go or two K to go, he was within such striking distance. But he said he still wasn't focused on it. He was just, he was just hammering his own race. And he ended up passing him with 800 meters to go or something. And the epitome of just running your own race and had he maybe thought of it too much throughout the run he would have gone too hard with 15k to go or 10k to go and and blown himself up um, but he really stuck to his numbers which i just absolutely loved yeah there's a big thing about risk and reward isn't it and he's he's as he said in his own words i have risked so many times <laughs> and walked yeah. and i don't want to walk ever yeah. again yeah so i'm not doing that anymore i don't care where i come yeah i'm going to run my ride swim ride and run my own race and and if if there happens to be a sprint finish at the end then i'll then i'll risk yeah. but up until that point i'm just going to do what i can do and if that's not good enough then so be it i'm, I'm actually quite content with that yeah oh, what an attitude i yeah. thought that was if we can do that in any sport that you know we'll be happy and yeah. we're not defined yeah. by our result we're defined by our actual effort yeah um, and if you're defined by your result you won't actually enjoy racing that much so funny. He said that over and over again before the race. He just said, it, people might call me weak or not a competitor. He said, I'm absolutely a competitor, but this race, I'm not I'm not worrying about the place. He said, I came, what, what he, it was 23rd and 24th, the last two Ironman World Championships. He said, as long as I do better than that place-wise, I don't care, but I'm going to execute the best I can. And he, he comes second. But he, he also said post-race, and I know you'll love this, is that all the pros were sitting in their pre-race uh, press conference where they were sitting next to each other. And ex-world champion Sebastian Keenly uh, got asked a question about you know bike pace and sticking with the pack. And he said, um, and this is Lionel words, Lionel goes, he said something so logical that I just couldn't believe how simple and basic it was. And it was, if the pack's going too fast, I'm just going to slow down. <laughs> and Lionel went, oh, it's just that simple, isn't it? And I know you'll love that because it is really that simple. And funnily enough, Keenly slowed down but not enough and blew himself up. Mm. Um, and Lionel took his words from a fellow competitor and took that advice and just went, no, I'm properly slowing down and it resulted in a perfect race for him. Yeah, there was so much 
so many good things. And uh, um, there's an interview with Bob. Um, Breakfast with Bob. Breakfast yeah. with Bob, which I absolutely love because yeah. he interviews everybody. It's yeah. fantastic. And it's he's, he's, he asks really good questions, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. And uh, he's a little man who comes up with the, the musical when he introduces it. Yeah. And the song he played for Lionel was I Won't Back Down. Yeah. And I just thought that is summing him up to a T. We're pumping Lionel up a lot yeah, here, yeah. but, you know, he just didn't back down from from uh, sticking to his guns yeah. and not be persuaded by any or influenced by any other per- person. That is difficult to do. This is the world championship. You're yeah. a professional. Yeah. You know, people say you have to race. Yeah. Well, he's proving in, a, in an endurance event of course, it's a race, but if you go above your ability, and he's done that many times, and he ended up walking, mm. and he's just not prepared to do it anymore. Last point on the race as well is back on Daniela. Uh, she said in a post-race interview um, about that anger, and she said, "I suppose there was that anger there, and I was, I was." She was aware of the noise that was happening, but everyone kept asking her, "You've won everything. You've won the world champs four times. Um, you've won the half Ironman five times." Um, What's what's left for, there for you to do? And I, I thought you'd love this answer. You might have seen it already, but um, she said I I really thought about that question a lot because everyone kept asking me, and she just came back to the same thing we keep saying. And it's um, I just realized I love the journey. I love the process of getting ready for a race and and executing on race day. And I don't have to have this big vendetta. I don't have to have this big anger around. I have to prove something anymore. That's not the reason why I race. I race for the enjoyment of the process and getting ready for race day and and demanding the most for myself, even to the point where she's saying, I'm not even looking at, you know, am I performing my best I ever have? Uh, and I just absolutely loved that sentiment because it meant she was in such a good headspace to race well. Yeah. And as you know, we've said this a lot on the podcast. If you enjoy doing something, you'll do it really well. If it's a chore, you actually won't have the same motivation, mental capacity to, to put your whole heart and soul into it. But when you're actually loving the process of whatever – Whatever task you're doing, I'm not talking about sport, I'm just talking about whatever the task you're doing, whether it's mowing the lawn or preparing for a World Ironman Championships, if you love doing it, it'll be a great result. No matter no matter what happens on the day, you're going to enjoy yourself. Let's get into the meat of the episode, what the people are here for, and that is defining training zones or training zones explained. So we uh, are going to endeavor to, to keep our language here as simple as possible because um, – uh, basically, everyone around the world is on the same consensus, but we just use different uh, words. Terminology. Different terminology and sometimes slightly different percentages, but the sentiment of each zone is the same. So, you've got to keep that in mind. And we want to start by just creating a clear differentiation between uh, there are multiple types of zone models. There's a three-zone model, a five-zone, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever you want. Um, the most common up the three-zone model and the five-zone model. And um, we personally, and what we're going to talk about today is we refer to the six-zone model, um, basically the same as a five-zone model with our own slight traveller variation. Um, but we're going to explain how they kind of all work here and, and tie into each other anyway. So starting with the most simplistic view, and um, let's ex- explain this zone three model, and that's a really good foundation where everything else makes sense. So um, a three-zone model is just basically split up by the two lactate threshold points. Okay, so there's lactate threshold one or LT1 and lactate threshold two or LT2. And um, let's just go into that a little bit and just just quickly define like how those three zones are broken up before we further clarify them because that's what really makes training uh, valuable and, and makes training zones easier to follow. I suppose I should say from the outset that this is our interpretation of what we know works for us. And there will be many variations to this from every other coach around the world. Um, every other athlete. So remember, this is our own personal view on the take we 
we get from the data. Um, so, so LT1 or call it whatever you like, the names here I want to get across to people. Are, you can't say that that's anaerobic or aerobic, you know, but let's just forget about the actual terms. It's more to do with where you sit in the, in the effort, in the intensity. And intensity doesn't have to be high. Intensity is what the intensity is that you're aiming for. So let's get that clear. So, I yeah, be, when, when you say intensity, you don't mean high intensity. That's right. Yeah, I could be talking about it. So 30% of an intensity is an intensity. That's my intensity. Yep. I could be talking about a recovery ride and my intensity for today is 30%. Yep. That's my intensity. Yep. And so don't get confused with the, every time I say intensity that I mean it's hard. Yeah. Um, it might be hard to hold it at 30%. Yep. Um, but, but the point we're trying to make is we want to differentiate between – the three main areas, and then we divide that up into six. Yep. So there's three main key areas we think you should spend time in. Yeah, so you can almost think of it in real layman's terms. Uh, easy, medium, and hard is the three-zone model. You know, you've got easy up to LT1, you've got medium between LT1 and LT2, and hard above LT2. That's absolute layman's terms. But let's just quickly define LT1 and LT2. And like you said, the, the, the terms you use um, aren't as relevant as to what the – basically intensity is, but LT1 or lactate threshold one uh, also is referred to as aerobic threshold. Uh, so anything below that is defined as quote unquote aerobic, which means it should be in the easier category. So to help the listeners, you should be able to do that all day if you're fit enough. Yeah. And it's not- And you're fueling enough. You're fueling enough, yeah. So it's not hard. You, you could be talking to someone while you're doing that. Um, and the only thing that's going to limit you is you know your, your fatigue from- from doing it for eight or ten hours, but we're not asking you to do that. But, but that's that's the should theoretically be possible. That's the intensity that you're trying to achieve. It's called LT one or lactate threshold one because at that point or above, uh, before that point, you're not rec- you're not accumulating any lactic acid. Uh, so if you do, if you're doing lactate threshold testing, your lactic acid levels in the muscle would just stay the same. They wouldn't be going up. Well, they'd be fluctuating up and down a tiny bit, but not drastically. Whereas as soon as you go above that first point, that first threshold point. Um, more lactic acid starts to accumulate. Um, that doesn't mean, uh, again, we'll get into that medium section in a second, but um, basically below that is that aerobic easy zone. Um, and above that, it's still not um, high intensity, um, but there's more, a bit more lactic acid being accumulated. That's basically the, the general um, yeah, summary of you're, it. You're really feeling like you're working, yeah. but you're not, you're not at a point where you, can, you have to stop, whereas at, you know, in, in the... The third level, the hard part, there's going to be a point where you have to stop because yeah. you can't sustain it. So, so if you think of it in terms of not words, but uh, I can keep doing this all day. I can keep doing this for a long time, but it's getting hard. Yeah. Or I can't sustain this for very long. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, as simple as we want to make it. Exactly right. Um, so again, uh, three zone models, that's zone one, everything below LT1. Zone two is between LT1 and LT2. So LT2 is uh, lactate threshold two, um, otherwise known as anaerobic threshold, otherwise known as on the bike, your FTP uh, running, it's your, your, your threshold. Um, and again, that LT2 point is um, once you hit that and go above, like you just said, the lactic acid buildup will be start to become so extreme that um, depending on how much further above you go, um, d- defines 
how long you can sustain it for. So if you're just above it, theoretically, you're supposed to be able to hold it for about an hour. That's what the threshold means. If you go 10% above it, suddenly you could probably only hold it for half an hour or less, 20 minutes. If you go 20 or 30% above it, suddenly you can only hold it for three or five minutes or even less. Um, so to clarify, that is the summary of the three-zone model. And we do that to really emphasize uh basically what LT1 and LT2 are because once you understand them, it becomes really easy to uh, talk about whatever zone models you want because they're all going to be based around where LT1 and LT2 are at some point. So now, knowing that, we're going to move into our Trivelo 6 zone model um, and we'll point out exactly where LT1 and LT2 sit. Uh, but basically, it's breaking the three zone model down into uh, really small segments. So below LT1, instead of it being zone one, it's zone one and two. And in between, there's zone three and four. And above LT2 is zone five and six. So we're going to go through each zone now, what their purpose is, their approximate intensities. Um, and again, it's just really important to note that Around the world, people will use their own um, models and like us, they will uh, probably call each zone something slightly different, um, but they're generally meaning the same thing. We don't want you to get caught up on the wording too much. It's more about understanding the percentage um, of what that intensity actually means, what that zone actually means. And the percentages are generally uh, in relation to percentage of FTP for a bike, percentage of your LT2, percent, and if you're running, your percentage of LT2 running threshold, anaerobic threshold, whatever that is. So let's start with zone one and let's let's define zone one. And just to add on before we define zone one, it's it's to what you've tested at. So so just keep that in mind. Um, these are our opinions and the way we have our variation, just like you said. Other people have their variations and this is all based on what you've tested at. So these are your numbers. Yeah. And variations aren't even, they're not going to be wildly different. We say variations because there's just subtle differences. Yep. So um, yep. some people might refer to it as, yeah. Okay. So let's go with um, anything under LT1, which we're talking about uh, recovery. So our recovery can be active or it can be passive. Um, and we don't want to specifically say it should be, you know, 10% or 20% or 30%. It's just no real aerobic gain. It is just to get the blood flow in the muscles to repair the damage that's been done from the hard sessions the previous few days. So we don't have any intention to improve our fitness in this session. It's purely recovery. So we're not expecting to ride hard at all. And we did a big episode of this on junk miles in a previous podcast a few weeks yeah. ago. So it really does so explain it well. That's as much as I need to say. So you're just not going to be sweating. You're just, you know, grandma can be riding past you. That's how slow you're going. And it doesn't have to be for a long time. The shorter the time, the better. There's one main benefit we want to talk about with active recovery, um, and that is getting your body used to uh, training load. And um, sometimes training at any intensity above active recovery, someone is not ready for. Uh, and if they try and load that up too quickly, especially in the case of running, uh, it becomes dangerous and a high risk of injury. So you can increase your uh, overall training load and volume uh, by using active recovery as a stimulus um, rather than trying to get more specific intensity higher than that. Um, and that really does help. And look, as a as a bike rider who can't run, walking is really good active recovery for me. Mm. And I get cranky if I don't do my walks, and I really should do more of it. And I, you know, that's what I tell everybody who who actually can't run. If you can run, um, and you're doing a running program, then you know, walking as well is still good active recovery rather than actually going for a run. So don't underestimate the value of walking. And you know, the Sky Team years ago made all their riders walk yeah um you know on a regular basis and mm -hmm. I'm, i still think most of them implement that in their you know 
you take the dog for a walk and stuff, you feel like it's a waste of time, but it's actually not. It's actually really helping you for the next day. Yeah. So that's zone one. That's active recovery, and that is well below that first LT1 threshold. And again, like I said, the intensity doesn't matter. It's probably up to 50%, but you're not even worried about that. You're just, you're just trying to spin with absolutely no effort. Zone two, also below LT1, uh, but zone two is anywhere just above active recovery where you're starting to work a little bit all the way to the point where you would hit that first threshold, that first lactate threshold, we're right up to the point where you start accumulating lactic acid. Yeah, this is a really important area and and one that is just not given the kudos that uh, high intensity training gets, uh, threshold training gets, lactate training gets, VO2 training gets. Zone two is the boring bloke who's the, I don't want to say accountant because we've got so many good accountants out there <laughs> who aren't boring, but the, the that generalization that accountancy is a boring uh, job. Um, but without them, we we absolutely need them. And without zone two, you absolutely need that in your training program because it is key. Um, and the more you avoid it because it's so boring, um, the less aerobically fit you will be. The more aerobically fit you are, the better you'll be able to do the high intensity s- sessions, the the threshold, lactate, vol- vo- uh, VO2, whatever you want to call it. So, this is the building blocks uh, zone where you should spend quite a lot of your time in, you know, 60% of your time, 70%, 80%, up to that. You know, this is the area where you should be spending your time in. And and all the way up to that LT1 marker, that's where you can be. And you don't have to be at, at the LT1 exactly or 5% below it or 10% below it. There's no – it's up to you as to where you are in the week in your training, the, the block you're in. Um, or your fitness level. Your fitness level is a real key indicator. Um, you know the the season, winter, summer, spring, or or autumn. You know you've got more ability to to have a more enjoyable. If you're using a bike rider as an example, um, you know spring and summer, it's great to do zone two because the sun's out. Um, even autumn, it's mild, but zone two sucks in winter when it's freezing and you're not actually getting warm because um, you're not really you're not really riding hard. Mm. Um, so zone two in winter is more a trainer session indoor. Um, and you've got to be a little bit more creative in these sessions. And and if you can, oh, I'm talking indoor, if you can get on group rides, um, there's a lot of you know, a lot of great group rides on Zwift, for example, where there's 100, 200 people in it, where you just got pressure on the pedals the whole time. And you're just staying in that below LT1. It's it's brilliant training and the longer you can do that, the more benefit your aerobic conditioning will improve. Um, the, the adaptation you uh, uh, get from that session is is going to just continually um, grow. Um, and and I just I, I've just emphasized that you should be doing this as as a runner and as a rider and, and as a swimmer you should be doing um, you know a lot of a lot of. Uh, Long, slow swimming so that your, your body can cope with, you know, the, if you're an Ironman, you've got to cope with 4K. If you're a half Ironman, you've got to cope with 2K. You know, if you're an Olympic, you've still got to cope with 1500. So you've got to be able to swim long distance and run long distance, marathon, half marathon, 10K, and riding for up to six hours and, and three hours for half half uh, Ironman, etc. So there's lots of periods in your chosen event where you are going to be in zone two anyway. Um, and for those who know how we coach, we don't want you in zone one 
in any of those races, um, but I'm just giving examples of how valuable Zone 2 is for races, mm-hmm. uh, for example, and for your fitness gains. Um, so there's so many areas where it's just, it's just you know, gold. Yeah. Um, and, and as a runner, you can't experience the same time as you would as a rider. Because you just physically can't go for a two or three hour run as a zone two session because that would be basically your endurance session. Mm-hmm. So so you know, you can do two or three rides at zone two, variations of zone up to L T one throughout the week. You can do three of those if you wanted to. Um, and and two high intensity sessions that are above, you know, zone five, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, you can't do that as a runner because it's it's exhausting to do to do long, you know, one and a half hour runs at that. If you're a guy who's been doing marathons for 30 years, that's bread and butter to you. Mm. But I'm talking about people who are possibly new to the sport and and haven't run much. Um, so, so, so many factors come into the time you spend as a runner in zone two. Yeah. So, that's got to be clear. Yeah. And let's think about the the – the overall goal, what would be the best uh, case scenario with your zone two training? You said it before, it's basically the best case scenario would be uh, outside of your high intensity sessions or your race specific sessions, which might be two to three sessions a week. Uh, every session would be uh, basically at the top end of zone two. That would be the gold standard of an athlete who has built their way up, uh, has got such a good fitness base that they can do all their zone two training at that top end, right below LT1, right below lactate threshold one. um, And they can handle it. That's the most important point is it doesn't affect their high intensity sessions, but they're going to be getting that aerobic gain. And uh, most people just aren't, aren't near that. You know, they might have to start their um, zone two training or their base training at the bottom end of zone two. So let's pretend you've done your FTP test and uh, you end up getting a result where, or you've done a a proper lab tested test and you end up getting a result where your zone two is uh, 60 to, I'm just going to approximate to 75% um, of your FTP. Um, Like you were saying before, depending on your fitness level, um, you won't be able to handle certain intensities of that. So if you've got three zone two rides to do throughout the week, um, you might only be able to handle um, them at at 60% at the bottom end of that uh, zone two, which is just above back to recovery. Um, the fitter you get, the more you can do those rides or runs um, high, at a higher percentage of that intensity. Um, but then, the, like you said, the volume comes into it in terms of running has to be less volume than the bike. And there's so many variations with that. You know, you aspire because you want to grow your aerobic fitness to be as high as you can in that zone too, but it's not necessary. You, you, the minute you can't hit your, wouldn't shouldn't say important sessions, but the, the sessions that are going to improve your, your threshold numbers, your which, engine, is, yeah. which is your high intensity uh, sessions at, at VO2 and threshold, the minute you can't do that because you're doing too much in zone two, then you have to pull back mm-hmm. and you have to drop your intensity um, to lower than, you know, the bottom or, you know, the LT1 line. You, you've got to be miles away from it. Mm. So you've, you've just got to let your body grow that. And and that's your goal is to, you know, and, and you just don't repeat that every week. You, you, there's, there's some days where you've just had a hard session and you can't get anywhere near LT1. You know, you need to be just above active recovery the next day. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, if you're having another zone two, you want to be right at LT1. 
And there's a difference in the one session. We had that exact experience the last two weeks. We've been doing uh, some secret training on, on Zwift together on, on Wednesday mornings. Not so secret now that I'm announcing it on the podcast, <laughs> but we've been just doing some strength rides on Zwift because it's been crappy weather here, uh, getting into Alp to Zwift, Alp to Wes on Zwift and having fun riding with each other. And last week, I uh, had a horrendous session on Tuesday, which was just brutally tough. And um, in the first five minutes of the Alp to Zwift climb, I just let you go because I just said, I'm just not there today. It's, it's supposed to be a zone two ride for both of us. You, uh, for various reasons, had changed yours more to a zone three um, or zone three or four that day. Um, and I was trying to stick to zone two and I was nowhere near achieving the top of it, which um, we would have been trying to hang on with you. And so I had to just drop off, go right back and say, no, I'm at the bottom of this zone today. I'm just trying to keep my heart rate down. I'm exhausted. Whereas a week later, um, I was a bit fresher after a bit of a lighter session on the Tuesday. And so I could go right up to the uh, top of zone two and uh, cheekily went above it. But <laughs> um, that's that's a real world example of uh, within two weeks, having two different scenarios. Yeah. And I was the opposite to you the second week. I could not go with the power that I was holding the week before. Mm. And, and so that's okay. You need to understand and listen to your body. And just because it, it gives you a range that might be between 50 and 75%, if you're not feeling it, then stay at 55%. If you feel like, you know, I've coped with the intensity session from yesterday and I've got another couple of days, go to up to the LT1 um, line and, and hold yourself up there. So, so we've really spent a lot of time on this zone two. And because we want to emphasize that is really where you should be spending most of your, of your training sessions apart from your, your hard sessions. Mm-hmm. And um, understanding that uh, I personally don't find it boring um, when you are getting to the top of that um, zone because you feel like you're riding really well and you're getting a really good fitness session without pushing yourself. And it's fun to kind of um, see your heart rate staying low for higher power than you've done in previous weeks or um, you know, if you're going for a run and you're running a faster pace than you have, um, but your heart rate's still the same, it shows that you're really getting fitter. Yeah, that's a great tracker, isn't it? Uh, riding or running higher intensity or pace, yet your heart rate's same as it was for a lower power or, or pace. That's a that's exciting. And yeah, when I when I say you know it's boring, I, I just want people to change their mindset. This is this is the gold sessions. You should actually say, I can't wait for that. It's, and why wouldn't you? It's not that hard, mm. you know. Like I'm kind of fearful of the really hard <laughs> sessions. Yeah. That uh, am I going to actually be able to achieve it? And yeah. they're the ones that I'm sort of like, you know, I've got to really psych up for it. But the zone two stuff, I'm. I can't wait to do that because it's enjoyable. I'm practicing my pedaling action. There's a whole lot of things I'm trying to think about um, that making it uh, not interesting. But I know that the reason I'm doing it is because it's going to make me a better athlete. <laughs> That's why I'm. my mindset is basically around that. Jared, tell me what's going to make me a better athlete. All right, this session is right. I'm, I'm up for it. I, I'm Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Mm. If this is going to make me better, I'll do that session. And that's the mindset you should have. Doesn't matter whether it's, you know, yep. eighteen days in a row of active recovery. If that's <laughs> yeah. if that's going to be the best outcome for you, that's your mindset. Yeah, uh, you got to trust the process, yep. and and it won't be the same every week, every month, every uh, block. 
that's the other thing we're trying to get across here. And on that last note, uh, using heart rate and just your general perceived feelings and and perceived uh, exertion um, is a really good indicator for zone two as well because, once again, you might be doing the same wattage as last week. You might have been trying to hit 220 watts, but your heart rate is 10 beats higher because you've had a heart session the day before, because you had a crappy sleep, a whole bunch of things, and that is just a good indicator for you to use to maybe drop it back a little bit and say, no, nah, I need to go back to the same heart rate like, as I was last week lower watts because it's going to affect the rest of my um, week's hard high intensity sessions moving on now so we've so we've covered zone one and two which is uh, below that lt1 now we're going to look at um, zone three and four which is in between lt1 and lt2 and zone three we'll kind of breeze over this a little bit because it's we probably spend the absolute least amount of time in this zone and that's uh, the tempo zone um, we, call, we call it tempo and that's just above LT1 once you start um, accumulating some lactic acid but not quite to the point of um, zone 4 which is getting close to that sub threshold zone yeah it's a little bit of the lost area isn't it and look in most zone 2 rides if you end up doing them outdoors you would creep into zone 3 because the hill might be too steep to get up mm-hmm. um, and that's okay for short periods mm-hmm. We we don't have don't want to have the intention that we're going to spend a lot of time in zone three, yeah. um, so so it is okay to be in zone three. There's nothing wrong with that, um, but but it's more likely that you would be in zone two and actually you know getting into zone three. And some of those uh, Swift rides where I'm really looking closely at how much time I'm spending in each zone, um, and it's quite it's quite a shock when you think that you've spent a lot of time at uh, at just sub threshold which might be you know just under lt2 where it might be that sweet spot well it's actually a fair bit of time in zone three mm. and a little bit of time in zone two so it's quite it's got a little bit you know so a bunch ride that you do with your mates or on zwift has got that zone two three four component where it's all under zone uh, le- uh, lactate two and in between lt1 so so between lt1 and lt2 this this zone three is kind of the lost soul it's it's it gets used but it's not intentional um and that's the message i'm trying to get across yeah you can fall into it a bit but one of the uh, main um times an athlete would use it uh is probably specifically for ironman race day prep or even half ironman depending on uh, your fitness ability so um we know that the uh, race day ranges differ depending on your ability as an athlete. And that's where, you know, one uh, really high level athlete, their race specific day will, will be in a sub threshold zone, but another athlete will most likely they'll be spending the day either in the half Ironman or Ironman in their tempo zone. So talk us through that kind of race specific. Stuff. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit of a tricky one because the majority of your endurance ride could fall between 65 and 75% of your FTP. Cause that's, if you're an Ironman competitor as an everyday uh, age grouper, that's, you know, you could be between 60 and 75%. Um, if you're a pointy end of the – we're talking about triathlon here, um, it's, it's, you know, just as an example. Um, so you you want to spend a lot of time in that in training, um, but you're jumping out of zone two into zone three and possibly in a little bit in zone four for that Ironman training outdoors. <laughs> um, so, so they're the areas you want to spend all of your time because on race day, you're going to be, we know, between 60 and 75% for up to six hours. Yeah. So it's okay to be. And look, we're talking about zone three is like 75 to 80% maybe of, of your percentage of your functional threshold power, whereas the sweet spot sub-threshold, which is still under LT2, is you know somewhere between 88 and 96%. So, so you've got those two tempo areas 
sub-threshold areas, which we're going to get to in a minute with the zone four. But but zone three is is sort of creeping in. It's it, it's as I said before, it's lost. It doesn't know. You know, it's got it's got a fair bit of sessions that you would do in training that they've got zone two in it and it's got zone four in it in a zone three session. Mm. So you you're diving in above and below, but that's okay. Yeah. And because. But, more specific, it's not okay if it's not relevant to your event. Um, if you're doing, for example, peaks as a bike rider, it's really okay because you'll spend a long time in zone three. And and in the training on your endurance rides, you will be in zone three for lots of periods of time um, uh, because peaks is predominantly a hill climb endurance ride. So, you're, you know, most of the people will ride every climb they do between 75 and 85% at peaks. And I've given the example as a triathlete, I'm giving you an example now of an endurance event for cycling. So when we when we coach people for peaks, if they're going up, for those who know peaks is a, an Australian um, endurance Grand Fondo that's really popular. Um, it's got three mountains. It's got uh, Tawonga Gap, uh, Mount Hotham, and Falls Creek. You would have to know it unless this is the first time listening to this podcast. <laughs> and and we want to know what percentage we're going to ride at those climbs. So so it's between 75 and 85% of your threshold if you can sustain that between 30 minutes and two hours. And, and not many people can hold 85% for two hours. Mm. You'd have to be at the pointy end. Um, so it's more like you're going to hold 75%. So that's basically, again, zone two and zone three. So so zone three, we're, we're in there a lot, but as a percentage over 100%, we're not in there a lot. But it's in every session where you are in zone three for a period of time. So the reason we're pointing it out is um, it becomes specific to people who will be spending race day in that. So whether that's a triathlete who is um, going to be spending – as much time as possible in zone three because they're, uh, they're not at the ability to stay in sub-threshold. Uh, their race-specific sessions where they're really getting ready for the Ironman will be a mix of zone two and zone three. Same as peaks. So it'd be a mix of zone two with zone three efforts in there. Um, but that takes us to the next zone, which is zone four, which is what we call sub-threshold, uh, sweet spot, anything up to uh, LT2. And we really want to clarify here that this is our slight modification. A lot of zones out there that use the five zone model would have this zone as as sub-threshold to just over threshold. So basically 90 to 105%. Mm. And 105% means 5% over that 100% LT2. We're definitely not doing that. Yeah, we just we, we do that for a reason to make it really clear that this zone four is still ju- anywhere up to or just below LT2, um, but most likely in that, it's we call that sub-threshold range. Yeah, we don't want to go over LT2 in this yeah. session. So, so it's a sweet spot. It's it's everything under threshold, um, and that can be you know possibly depending on your ability, eighty percent to ninety six percent. But the majority of times it'll be eighty five to to ninety four percent. And and guys who are in the Tri Valley program do a lot of training in this in this area, and it is unbelievably good for um, your overall um, and it's still a contributor to aerobic fitness because you're actually you're not you can sustain it for a long period of time. We've got guys who can ride in this in this area for 90K, mm. you know, in a triathlon. They can do this as a time trial for 90K. They can hold their sub-threshold number, you know, possibly they could do it for 120K if they if they were pushed. Um, that comes from training, right? It does, yeah. So people who are having trouble holding this for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, um, you need a little bit more training in this area. Um, 
it's a really race specific zone, isn't it? And we do it in big blocks because, because you can handle it. So it's, it's those race specific sessions where you're doing big 20 or 30 minute or 40 minute blocks in this sweet spot zone. Sweet spot zone. And you have to build into this again, just like as a runner, you, you can't just straight away go into hill training. You have to do some uh, stuff on the flat track to get your body fit enough to, to be able to absorb the load that's going to get from running on an angle uphill or downhill same thing, different different foot plant is going to stress the muscles differently. So you can't just throw yourself into that. You're going to get injured. So same as sub-threshold. I can't tell you to go out and do one-hour sub-threshold. You know, you're going to fade and end up being back in zone three. So the reason we do it in chunks is so that we get a recovery and then we can go back to where we, we want to be in the right zone. Yep. Um, so, so it's something you need to build on. Um, but, you know, when you, when you build on that – you know, whether it's a two by 20 minute effort, or it's a two by 30, two by 45, two by an hour, all of a sudden your your fitness is going through the roof. If you can sustain that and then you come race day, it's it's you've just spent so much time in that area. As a 70.3 athlete, that is, that is your go-to training zone. Um, and ignoring that because it is a hard one. It, it's not, it's not got you out of breath. But it's just grueling. But it is really hard to sustain. It's you're getting a toothache in your legs. It can yeah. be forgotten as well because you know there's so much benefit in doing high intensity sessions, which really build your fitness and your engine. Um, but come race day, you need to be able to hold this, and so you're the only way to do that is with specific training. Yeah, practice practice the sessions that you're going to actually experience on race day. Yeah. And and I'm being very specific. I'm saying this is the area. For the majority of seventy point three athletes, but there's still a a minority who are sitting below that, mm. you know, at seventy point three level. So some Olympic distance athletes are sitting um, in this area. You know, majority of the Olympic distance athletes are sitting between ninety and one hundred percent of their FTP, but there's some Olympic distance athletes are still sitting between eighty and ninety, mm-hmm. and that's that's where their level is. So so one number doesn't fit everybody yep. so that's what we're trying to get across here yep. um, but this is a, a, as an area and it's hard to, to fit all these training sessions into a program mm. um, and you have to be very careful what your goal is and work backwards from are you training for uh, a criterium season are you training for uh, the road race season are you training for a grand fondo that that is nine hours are you training for a grand fondo that's six hours so there's just an example for as a cyclist as a triathlete are you training for olympic half ironman or, or ironman so the, the the event you select will determine the time that you spend in the zones we're talking about today so get that Get that into your your um, program, you know, based on what is my event and how much time is my event spent in zone two, three, four, or five, hmm. or even some, you know, the kilo on the track. It's all spent in zone six or seven or eight. Yeah, you know, even even a um, criterium or one hour circuit, you're going to be sprinting in zone six at the end, so you need that yeah. power there. Yep. So you need to have practiced that. Yep. Moving on to the last two zones, zone five and six. So now we've we have hit lactate threshold. We've hit our FTP at one hundred percent, and that is between zone four and five. And so zone five is now threshold and above, and you start to get into some intensity. And once you cross that threshold line, um, lactic acid starts building, and then suddenly your your time is limited. You will hit a a dead point at some point, depending on whether if you're riding at one hundred one percent, you might be able to hold for fifty minutes, like we said. And if it's one hundred five percent up to one hundred eight percent or ten percent, suddenly that time starts coming down. And um, yeah, this is where you can do some sessions uh, at around that threshold zone to really practice that hurt. 
um, and just over um, and um, that's where the high intensity sessions start to break down a little bit in terms of what length you go for. Yeah, it, it gets real now, doesn't it? Now we're really training. Yeah. But there's two valuable parts and components to training at your threshold or above. And so so one is replicating some aspects of our race like we talked about with the other zones. And the second one is you will improve yourself as a bike rider or a runner or a swimmer if you spend time at threshold or above. They're the two main things we do it for mm-hmm. because it's part of our race and we want to get better. Mm-hmm. So if we don't if we don't race at all, that's fine. You don't have to do any high intensity session. You can just maintain an aerobic fitness level that you're happy with. But if you want to improve and you still don't race, the only way to improve is to incorporate some high intensity mm-hmm. above your threshold, above LT2. <laughs> so that is as simple as I can make this and and that's quite obvious. Yeah. Um, but people avoid it because it's so damn hard yep. and I don't want to keep repeating high intensity sessions. I don't want to do a 20-minute FTP test because I'm fearful of the result and I have, you know, my number might not be what I like. But don't forget, it's a training session at Threshold. That's actually one of the benefits of doing, not only finding your number, but it's an actual unbelievably good training session. Mm. You're training at Threshold or slightly above. Mm. You know, you're putting yourself in a race situation, which which is the value of, of high-intensity training. And eventually, if you keep doing that enough, and I've done it to myself, I did I did an FTP test four weeks in a row. Yeah. You know, A, to prove that stop everybody else complaining that this I don't want to do another test, but it was improving me as a threshold rider. But, you know, from week one to week four, I went up 14 watts mm. um, with all the other training in between. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I kept putting myself under the hammer doing a threshold session was actually improving me. Yeah. Um, so, again, if, if the coach says this is going to make you better, don't question, you know, what session it is. Yeah. Embrace it. Yeah. Um, um, these sessions have got so much data around them yeah. that that you can't actually make a mistake. Yeah. Um, it's basically just this simple premise of you're putting on your body under so much uh, new stimulus and high intensity stimulus that it's forced to adapt and respond strongly. And yeah, the overload principle is at play here. Yeah. And and you know you wanna you wanna keep a tab on what you did. Say you're doing three Tuesdays in a row where the high intensity sessions put down in my program, you know, week one, I'm a little bit unsure where I sit in my threshold zone five. Am I at the top or the middle or the bottom of zone five? And, you know, the motivated athlete wants to be at the top right from the start, but, but that's not easy to do. And sometimes you might be accumulating fatigue over a period of two or three weeks in a training block. So what you can do in the week, first week after a recovery week might not be what you can do in the third week because you've accumulated so much fatigue, you're nowhere near it. Plus the coach is probably overloading you with mm. with maybe 14 minutes of, of intensity to 16 to 18 minutes in week three. So therefore you can't expect to, ha- to ride the power higher each week. So there's so many variables that could be thrown in. So your goal all the time is to, to ride, look at what you rode previous weeks or what you want to ride and then try and emulate that, equal it or improve on it. And that's where the overload comes in. So, so it, it is something that needs a great deal of preparation and thought about and understanding what you've done before and what your capabilities are. And again, if you if you're asked to do 14 minutes and you ride so hard in that session that you you are exhausted after eight, 
say we're asking you to do uh, f- four by four, 16 minutes worth of training, four by four minute efforts, and you do three of them and then you don't, can't get the last one, you don't even get near the range, we've only actually done 12 minutes. So you're still better off dropping the power so that you can get all four in, 16 minutes worth than the 12. Mm-hmm. And, and then next week, you know, try to increase the power so you can get the overload in it. So, so you've got to think and plan and manage understanding what you've been doing and, and knowing what you're, you're going to do in the next session based on, you know, how you're feeling on the day and what you've been doing previously with the numbers. So, so that is, it, you know, sure, I'm just doing the high-intensity session. Uh, don't even check what it is. I just follow the numbers on, well, that's, that's actually wasting the session. You should be across this with such preparation that have specific targets. And you know yourself, if you're going to the running track, what did I do last time in my intervals? Was I 305 or was I 415? Great. That's what, that's my benchmark. Oh, God, I'm feeling a bit average. 415 is going to be hard today. Mm. Now I'll try, and, I'll try and match 415. If I can't, I'll, I'll just try and do 417 or 418. These are the things, if you're well prepared, you've got an idea of, rather than just, oh, I don't even know what I did last week. It says between 4.15 and 4.30 pace, and I'll start this week at 4.28. But then you check out what you did last week. You did all four 1K intervals at 4.15. Instantly, you haven't got the value out of the session. Yeah, yeah. Everything you've said just then uh, applies to zone five and six. Um, The lines between them are quite blurred, um, but the point is anything above LT2 or FTP is intensity. um, And then depending on where you decide to go with that intensity, um, kind of depicts the length of those intervals you're talking about. You know, the higher you go, the more it's going to be five by three minute efforts. Um, And then the closer to FTP you go, the more you might be like a three by eight minute effort kind of session. Um, But just to clarify them with words, because uh, that's the goal of, you know, finding these um that that zone six that very top end is what we'd refer to as vo2 max it's like the, the very top and so and uh, if you go on training peaks and you look at the all the different um training zones that you can choose you can choose what are they andy coggan and joe freel and uh, whatever they carmichael training and they'll come up with a, a yeah. bunch of different zones and some refer to zone five then abc because it's this point it's they're all quite merged you know zone a is just above that threshold then zone zone five the time really george decides where it is. Yeah. If, if you're asking yourself to ride flat out as hard as you can possibly go, it might last 30 seconds yeah. or a minute. Yeah. So that could be That's zone eight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, absolute anaerobic, yeah. something, the time that you can't sustain it and you have a rest and you can go again and do that repeatedly, you know. So, so that's a whole session. And, yeah. you know, you might be able to do it for three minutes, but that it's only its own – 5A because that's 110%, whereas 30 seconds is you know, you're pushing 150% of your FTP. So we just refer to it as zone five is that that um, 100% um, to about 108, 110% because that's what we found people can actually handle for that almost up to what you say eight minute mark. Right to that VO2 number. Yeah, and then above that it becomes what we call zone six, which is that VO2 session. Yeah. So so the time is the actual thing that we want people to think about. So I'm going to be able to hold my threshold for anything between five and 20 minutes. Um, uh, you know, whether I'm at 100% or I'm at 108 to 107%. If I'm at 107%, it's probably, probably 10 minutes is going to be, you know, eight minutes is going to be where I can, if I'm going well. If I want to hold 101 or 102%, I can probably hold that for, you know, up, up to 30, 40 minutes. 
if I really was well trained. Um, so the lower you are to LT2, the longer you can yeah. hold it. Yeah. The the higher you go away from that number, the shorter the time period. And I think that's a good way to finish. That's all six zones explained. Um, and yeah, I think um, we said at the start that it's there's a lot of terminology in there and we want to keep that, that stuff as simple as possible. And so we've um, spoken about a lot of different words here, but the message we were trying to get across is what each zone actually means. So we've got yeah, zone one and two, which is below that first threshold, then zone three and four, which is in between, then zone five and six, which is well above. And I think that's as simple as we can make it. I can't add to that anymore because I'll just confuse the issue and I think that's a really good finishing point. <laughs> Once again, be sure to like this video wherever you are watching it or listening to it and either subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram or tag us from wherever you are listening around the world. We would love to see it. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.